give you an opportunity about, in about 15, 10, 15 minutes to ask me a question. So if you have a question that is targeted, that's centered around this theme, then what you can do today is you can ask this question. Now, if it's not, you can do one of two things. You can email me. Everybody say email him. And see, or ask me after church. I'll hang around a little bit after church, and you can entertain me, ask me a few questions. But my, my um, I won't be able to stay too long today because it's my girl's birthday. Everybody say yay. yay. Christina's 30th birthday. We had a big party at my house yesterday. And so um, and we, we are really excited, so we got to go and eat with her a little bit later. But I do have a few minutes after church I can hang around. But um, I've been asked some great questions. And I've decided to do four, have four topics. Um, I will allow at the end of this, if there are some questions that, are you, that you want to ask that are not within this context, like I said, I'll, I'll be around at the end of the service. Repeat this, repeat this week's topic, say relationships. relationships. Next week says politics. Poverty. Third week is poverty and prosperity. Poverty. And week four, relating to the younger generation. So those are four topics. The reason I did it this way is because I want to make sure we stay focused. And I, I, I want you to be clear, I did, not, I did not prepare any message. I told you, I promised you I wouldn't. And I told you, everybody in favor of the pastor having one month off a year, raise your hand, say aye. All right, that's it. Now, that means I didn't, I didn't do like I typically do, come with a whole host of great thoughts. So uh, give me some music. You got some music you can play? Uh, if you have no questions, we'll just play the music. And look at each other, because honestly, I did not prepare anything. And that'll work. We'll play that. And uh, so, <laughs> turn up a little bit. Let them hear what we'll play. What is? Yeah. What is? What is worship? I like that. Sounds good. Thank you. But, okay. Now, so <laughs> if you if you have nothing to say to me, I'll just look at you. You look at me. Oh, you got one already. Good. <laughs> Oh, hold on, hold on. Before we do, we're going to give you a mic one second. We got to do it all at one time. Hold the mic right there, and I promise I'm going to let you go first. But hold that. Oh. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. What we're going to do is we're going to, I like that. That's energy. I like this. So what we're going to do is, let me pray first, okay? And then we're going to get going, and you're going to jump in here, and you're going to ask me questions, and then I'm going to go about what's on the paper. And since she's got a favorite one on the paper, we're going to start with that one. Let's pray. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name for this time. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your hand upon us. I thank you for your presence. I pray, God, that what we talk about in this coming weeks, these four topics, will be uplifting and helpful. That those who are going to hear this will be inspired and, and I, I pray, motivated in Jesus' name. And so we give you the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Now, if you let me pause for a second before I answer your question, let me jump on the first question on the sheet so you can see the format, and then I'll come to the relationship question. The first thing I want you to notice is we're going to talk about current events first, and that may happen every week. It may not. If something's happening, I may want to just say, let me just talk about something that I think is on everybody's mind. And what I call, with me, repeat with me, please, say, listen. listen. This is a sermon where a series of Q&As where we're going to talk about how to build a future and how important listening is in doing that. If you're going to build a future, and that's the theme for the year, listening is a very important part of that. And I think preachers don't listen. I think they don't have the opportunity to listen because we're always preparing messages. And so I want to, if I can, jump out with a couple of, current, first of all, current event things that I know you're thinking about, and then we'll go from there. First of all, before we get to the relationship question, let's talk about uh, current events. And the first thing I want to look at is the natural disasters. Luke chapter 21, verse uh, 9 through 11, describes what I believe to be a simple biblical response 
when you see a whole lot of things happening. Here's what he said, Luke chapter 21. We've had the earthquake in Mexico. We've had um, the horrible thing in Puerto Rico. We've had the, in the Keys. We've had Houston. Help me out. We've had Dominica. Dominica. Uh, we've had um, the uh, Caribbean Islands. We've had a lot of, did I name them all? Did I get them all? That's all for now. No, Barbuda. No. Barbados. Yeah, and the Virgin Islands. Virgin Islands, okay. So all those, all those tragedies, all those disasters that we've had. Um, Luke chapter 21, verse 9 says this. But when you hear of wars and communications, do not be afraid. Do not be terrified. Now, I put that in bold prints because that's important. Do not be what? Terrified. terrified. For these things must come to pass first. But the end will not come immediately. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation. That's the whole thing in Korea, right? Kingdom against kingdom. And there will be great earthquakes in various places. There's Mexico and famines and pestilences. And there will be fearful sights and great signs from heaven. Now, here's what I want you to understand. This is just part of what the Bible says happened in the last days. Now, you can argue that some of these natural disasters are tied to uh, climate change and all that. And there's, there's a lot of great evidence to say that. And you may agree or disagree. I personally think there are some elements to that. Um, the Bible said that the love of money is at the root of all evil. And this desire to produce stuff and sell stuff. And we, we forget that we're stewards of the earth. When God made Adam, he told him to tend the garden. I think that was a symbol to say you are responsible for this planet. You're responsible to take care of it. So I think that um, I'm not here to debate that. That's for scientists to debate. I'm simply saying that's part of what he said is going to happen in the last day. So when you see it happen, the biggest thing I want you to take away from it is don't be terrified. Do not allow yourself to be afraid. Uh, deal with it. Be hurricane strong. And, uh, you know, God will bless you and everybody say amen. amen. Now, let's switch to the next part, which is questions. And since you have, you pick one of those questions on my list, my sister, I want to know, first of all, which question do you like out of my four lists? And I have four questions for today. And, um, and I'm not going to read them, but let's go to jump to the under f- five. I'm sorry. Which one of these did you want to ask me a question about? Which one stood out to you? Well, I'm looking at the one, very first one. What do you do if you were in a bad relationship? Because I've I've been divorced for years now, and yet I feel like that's still been something that, you know, impacts me. And then times where I've tried to have relationships, and I now understand there's some things about me i got to figure out because I keep seeing the same things happening. So I'm just just on, on shelf mode. And I'm really thinking about not even being bothered with relationships, you know, anymore. But I'm wondering if that's right even. So, you know, what do you do when you're in a bad, when you were or you are in a bad relationship? How should you look at it? What should you do? Well said. Thank you. Pass the mic to him. Thank you. You can pass the mic back. <clears throat> First of all, I, I think we have to admit that, that bad relationships are painful. And they do scar you. And sometimes when you, when you go through a bad relationship, it's, it's, it's kind of, it, it kind of redefines in your mind um, a lot of things. You start questioning your own lovability. You question uh, whether there's anybody faithful in the whole world who will, be, who will you know, keep their word, not cheat or whatever. And I think you kind of can over, overthink it a little bit. Um, love is part of our need. Uh, but I think self-love is the greatest need. You know, the Lord said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. So I, I think learning to love yourself is where you should start. Get happy about you. Get happy about your life. 
And as you, as you reach for love in other people and you love yourself, you won't expect so much from them. And you'll be able to discern more. I think a lot of times when you're looking for relationships, if you have a need and that need dominates everything, you will overexpect and undersee. So if I, if, I'm, if, I, if, I, if I love Diane because I want Diane in my life, not because I'm trying to fill up a hole in my life, it's a whole lot easier to see things. So I can see better. I think a lot of times when, when people date folks, they're looking, or even when they're looking for friends, they're looking for somebody to fill up a hole. I'm not looking for friends to fill up a hole. I'm looking for people to add to my life. I'm already happy. Can we say that? Come on. I'm already happy. Come on. See, if I'm already happy, if I already got my, got my life in, in, in going in the right direction, my life's in alignment, um, my relationship with you is not to fill up a hole. I'm more prone to see all that's there, what's right and wrong with you. I make better choices. Um, I don't bring this weight of expectation to you. Um, and I think it changes the dynamic. I think that's been a good thing in our relationship. We really didn't come to the relationship needing to be with each other. We came to the relationship wanting to be. And there's a difference. So as far as whether or not you should give up on it, I don't give up on it. It's a lot of fun, you know, when you find the right person. But you have to be the right person. Be the person you want. That's what I tell you. All right? Somebody else have a question for me from the sheet. I gave you five questions. Anything that stands out to you? You want to ask me any version of what you see on the, on the sheet? Yes, over here. Pass the mic. Those are just, those are just sample questions, by the way. Yes. Um, um, I have a question pertaining to number five. It says, how do you build a good relationship and keep it going? And it's not necessarily building a relationship, but the current relationships that I have now, um, if you could just look and see where I am right now, mm -hmm. I'm a part of the sandwich generation. Mm -hmm. I'm a daughter to my mom, I mean, I'm a daughter to my mother, then I'm a mother to my daughters. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it gets to be a, a challenge. So how, what, what's the greatest challenge? Keeping being a balance. In a sandwich. Giving enough time to everybody. Giving enough time because I love everyone. And sometimes I feel guilty. Because you want time for you. And my husband, he, he's, he does a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah I, you know what I think? I think, it's, I think it's, it's a good season. And you don't see it until it's over. You know, until the mom's gone, until, you know, if you live long enough, the husband's gone, and the kids have their own life, and they're up and, and traveling all over the world, and they're jets and planes, you know, and then you go, oh, that was not that bad. It was okay to be sandwiched in. As a matter of fact, you kind of missed the tightness. You missed the, the schedule, and I see that with people when their moms pass or when, when they no longer have the kids at home, and uh, uh, Leroy Bolden gave me the absolute best summary of that. He says, Taking the kids out of the house is like taking a hose and sucking all the energy out. That was just the best analogy I've ever heard. And it was true. I mean, in a lot of ways, you have to redefine who you are. There's a series I'm going to do next year called Definitions. And what I'm going to do is talk about how when things, when the definitions change, everything changes. And so right now, I think you, it's all in how you see it. If you can see it as a good thing to be tight and be sandwiched, um, because believe it or not, just a minute ago when you saw my little grandbaby, that's like new for me. I ain't been a long time negotiating with two-year-old two -year people. You know, <laughs> I don't want to go to church. I want to grandma. Okay, you don't have her right now. You got me. Okay. And you, you don't want nobody else. But that's, that, that's a good moment. You need to be sandwiched. You need to feel tight. You need to feel that because God knows you need that right now. 
But believe me, look at those people next to you. They are moving on. They all do. And then the sandwich moves, and then in some of you are there now. You feel like, where is everybody? And then you're struggling with it. So enjoy the struggle. Uh, it won't be it's a temporary season. Uh, it's like when they were two, it was temporary. It's like when they were three, it's temporary. Now they want a car and they want to drive and they get near that age. They want to go to college around the corner. No, far away, long ways. You know, they have all these dreams. So embrace that and see it as a good thing. And, and you'll find balance. But it's, 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 you know, we all, you won't, you're going to fight balance all your life. I fight it. Diane fights it. Uh, we fight it with each other. Um, but it, it's, it's a good sandwich. So. Just, just uh, make sure you pull away for yourself a little bit. And don't feel guilty. I don't. Uh, I did it yesterday. Uh, 30 minutes with Ricky feels really good sometimes. Somebody else? Question from the sheet. Anything you see on there that really grabs your attention? I like this idea. You read something? Which one, which one of you is directly really special that stands out to you? So we did number one and number five, right? Okay. Let me look at number two. What do you do if you are betrayed by a relationship? I put little words by each one, by the way, that kind of give you my quick answer. The, number one, let's go back to that for a minute. It says, what do you do if you are in a bad relationship? I said, renegotiate. If you're in a bad relationship with somebody and it's not going well, you have to sit down with that person and say, let's renegotiate the relationship and see if we can make this better. Sometimes that's all you can do. Because if it's bad, it's bad for all kinds of reasons. I'm fascinated when I deal with people why their relationships are bad. Um, and, and it's not always, and this is what's hard to believe, it's nobody's fault sometimes. We just come from different places. You come from the north, I come from the south. You come from the east, I come from the west. You come from a wealthy family, I come from a poor family. You come from a sloppy family, I come from a neat family, educated, uneducated, happy, sad, whatever, mix it up. And when you put the, that gumbo together, there is a flavor problem that you can't, can't always explain. So you have to somehow sit down and negotiate and say, okay, I married you, or I dated you, or I was, I was friends with, with you, and I did not know that this came with it, this flavor, this spice that I'm getting. I didn't know. It took me a year to figure it out, or sometimes it takes you five years. To, to, and I believe all along your relationship with people in love or not or friend or whoever it is, you start discovering different flavors because you've never been five years into a friendship with this person before or a year into it. And so sometimes you have to sit down and say, can we renegotiate the sandwich? Let's renegotiate the, the rules. Let's renegotiate how things go. And I think sometimes people don't want to do that. I was telling somebody the other day, I said, when kids get to a certain age and they're really busy and they're running the family crazy and everybody's running here and all these different practices, sometimes you have to say, can we have a meeting? Uh, we're doing too many things. Uh, I did that with the church, too many things. Uh, preach once a week instead of twice a week. Do classes instead of having me here every, every day in the week. Um, I'm off every Monday, renegotiate things. There are things you can't keep doing if you're going to be okay in, in this relationship, and that's part of the challenge. Number two, what do you do if you are betrayed in a relationship? I put the word decide. Everybody say decide. decide. Which means you just sit down and you say, you know what? Um, okay, if you betrayed me in this relationship, do I still want to be in it? And if I decide to stay in it, then with that decision come forgiveness. And if I don't want to stay with you, and if I don't want to still be your friend or whatever it caused this to be, then, then I've made that decision, but I've, made a de I've decided. What's unfair is to stay attached and still blame. That's not even mature. I think you have to say, 
you know, if, I, if, if, if my brother offend me, I go to him. The Bible says, seek to be reconciled. If we can work it out, fine. But if we can't, then I say, look, you know, <laughs> you know look, you burned my house down. You stole my car. Uh, <laughs> he stole half my money. We can't be friends anymore. You know, okay, well, that, that's fair. I mean, <laughs> have a great life. That makes sense, you know what I mean, to a degree. I, I think it's, it's there's sometimes you have to decide. But if you decide to stay, you can't stay and hold that over people. And so that would be my answer to that. Say amen. All right, good. Number three, what do you do? How do you repair a relationship with your parents? Ah, you, you know, how many of you, I won't ask you a question. That's too unfair. Let me just say it. A lot of people have issues with their parents at different stages, when they're younger and when they're older, at different stages. But let me talk to you if, you're, if you can go back and, and um, remember times when you were frustrated with your parents, and then as you got older, you changed your view. How many would say that's true? You've been there, right? To show me, tell me what you changed your view about. What were some things you changed your view about? When you, you were younger, you thought one way, but when you got older, here comes the mic, man. Tell us what you changed your view about. What did you change your view about? Um, this was when I was an adult still. Um, things got real bad for a while after my father died. And um, there were some things that, uh, I guess, you know, me and my brother, we had to take care of our mother for a while. And there were some things that she would say and do sometimes that we didn't agree with because uh, there was stuff she had on unfinished business with my father even mm-hmm. though he was already passed away but um after years of some downs with that uh me I don't know about my brother he's not much of a talker but um <clears throat> I actually you know sat down and talked with her to get the full understanding of why she felt the way she did mm-hmm. what happened to make her feel that way and she actually reconciled it and let go and uh, you know we talk about our um, my father and she still loved him you know it was a, it was a lot of personal reasons why she came to how she did that we didn't know about mm-hmm. so um hearing the whole story like listening to her side made me feel like okay well I get why you felt that way now you traded um, places right yeah that's exactly what happened thank so. you well said that's exactly what I think a lot of people should do. Let's say you're, when I talk to people sometimes and they're, they're really mad with somebody, I'll say, well, let's just call them a wicked witch, bad, evil, give them a horrible name. Now that we've established that, why are they like that? Let's trade places. Let's for a minute say to this person who sometimes, especially parents, don't want you to know stuff. They choose, my mother was like that. She said, I refuse to put certain things in your mind about me or about anybody. I'm not going to deposit that. This, this is not how she said it, but that's what she basically meant. I'm not going to be the one who deposits that in your mind because I don't want you to see this person that way or that person that did this to me. I'm not going to put that in your mind. If you find out, you find, I found out some stuff you know, I didn't know, but she, said, she didn't put it in there. She said, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you that. Because I don't want you to change your view of the world. And so sometimes when when you're dealing with your parents, if you're a young person, as you get older, trade places. 
know what it's like to, to raise kids by yourself. Know what it's like to be a single parent. Know what it's like to have financial pressures. Know what it's like to have a marriage that doesn't work out. Know what it's like to be that person. There's something about trading places that, that really helps you in your relationship. So, any other questions about that question? Yes. Um, I, I don't think my mom will mind me saying, because I say it to her, you know, now, that when I was younger, I used to wonder why was she was so, so angry. I mean, she was the original mad black woman. And so... She's um, cool she, looking as she want to be, too. Yeah, and she, so. you, you know, Jesus, okay. Jesus is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, and for a long time, that was a part of my hurt. You know about my childhood that you know I couldn't get any even what I thought close enough to my mother, you know for for all of the things that I was seeing and seeing her say her do, and then of course when I grew up I became a parent, <laughs> and that gave me perspective, and then when I was old enough she began to share, and when she began to share, you know the things that made her so angry I was like. Yeah, and I understand. Yeah, I get it. I don't understand why she's so mad. You know, yeah. back then, but I guess perspective mm -hmm. is what helps with the trade-off too. You know, if you can get the understand the perspective and then get the understanding and then, mm -hmm. you know, look at your own situation and go, mm -hmm. oh, okay, <laughs> got it. Let me say this to you. Thank you. That's well said. Thank you. Uh, one of the things I'd say too, and, and just to tag on to what you said, the history of blacks in America and I'm not just beating this drum, but it's true. There are a lot of people who live through horrendous experiences. My knowledge of this has been woefully sad. I mean, I think I'm a pretty, I, re I read a lot. I'm a pretty studied person, but I still don't know enough. There's stuff, I've, stuff I read this week. I make it a habit on a probably every month to make my studies just about African-Americans, just about our history, just about what happened just about it. and I've got a lot of books because I'm trying to educate myself because I realized that there are a reason why they were that angry there's a reason why and when you grow up in this culture and you holding on to your teeth it generates those kind of responses because you you got family pressures normal family pressures sandwiching pressures normal things and you've got society pressures and you got economic pressures and you got injustice uh, and um, so I think it, a lot of times the younger generation doesn't know what you went through and they, they can't trade places because they don't understand. And that's our fault for not sharing it. And so I make it a point to have those discussions with my kids even though they're grown. And I'll send links and, and articles and say, hey, did you read this? Did you, have you heard of this guy before? Um, and it, it stretches you and pulls you in ways that you, 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 you need to be stretched. Yes? Hi. Okay, Hi. so my parents are... Currently going through a divorce, and um, they both keep saying, I don't want you to choose sides while they're trying to make me choose sides. Um, <laughs> so how do I maintain, like, a relationship with my dad, period, a relationship with my mom, period, without making either of them feel betrayed? Such a great question. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And see, if I was preaching, I wouldn't have heard that question. Um, I, think you, I think you just kind of... And sometimes you just kind of let it flow down the river and you just kind of like you just put their relationship in the river and let it float where it floats and understand that you don't own that. 
that that's not your responsibility to fix or heal or to make either one of them feel better, that you, your job is to be you and say, I, I, I call this watering my own grass. Uh, I, can't, I can't water your grass. I can't fix your relationship. I do that when I counsel people. I really care as a pastor, but I cannot emotionally own it to the degree that I don't water my grass. And so as painful as it is to watch, what you can do is learn from it. And you say, what did they do? What did, how did they get here? And what can lessons can I, can, I, can I learn from that? And you might want to take a you know, write them down. Say, okay, so when I get to the place where I'm in a relationship, you know, I can say, these are 10 things I want to make sure I don't do or do. Because uh, both of us come from, Diane and I, we both are candidates for divorce, believe me. Um, we don't have any kind of history in our families, you know, that suggested we couldn't be those people. But I think when we got together, one of the things we did was we really had a great conversation about what we don't want to do. And we've kept our word. Um, and, um, but we've struggled because you run into those, no matter what you do, you run into those wall, walls. And sometimes couples don't do well with the walls. They don't do well with, they, I say it this way, they like level one, two, three. But level 89, 150, 200, see now it's not about her pretty eyes and her legs and his muscles and all that stuff. And about that night, see, he didn't pay that bill. You know, he used a debit card, and he, you know what I'm saying, and these kids got to go to college, and homeboy, like, he don't want to work, you know. And so all those things, or she lazy, and she don't want to cook or whatever, and it's just the house a mess. So we get to upper, upper levels. Now it's, now it's you know, I'm, I'm, it's, not, it's, like I, it's like they that's, they can't get over that, and that's not your fault. And they may be really good people. I'm sure they are, and they raised you, so they got to be pretty cool. And so I think you should embrace your life, and let them swim in the river. You want to follow up on that real quick? Hold on. Give, give her the mic real quick. I want to make sure we follow up real quick. Right behind you. There it goes. There it goes. Pretty loud. Um, no, no. So I guess, okay, so I'm trying to think about how to do this without, like, taking up anybody else's, like, time yeah, because yeah. That's fine. it gets personal. Um, but my mom cut me off for a year and a half, and she just started back talking to me uh, three days ago. Um, Yay. Okay, but go ahead. Yeah, so I am, I mean, I asked her why she blocked my number. Of course, she lied. She blamed me for a lot of stuff. Um, and I just feel God moving me towards, like, it's time to reconcile and kind of she's dealing with a lot as far as, like, mentally she needs help and she's dealing with the Jezebel spirit because I know all about that. Um, but God, God is kind of moving me towards, like, trying to tell her, can you imagine Something. having a child? Can you have a child like yourself? You know, you got to be careful. You gonna have one just like you. I know. Well, my We'll talk. We'll talk more after. Let me say this to you real quick. I, I love it. See, one of the things when you have these really brilliant children, yep. who are really smart, <laughs> and then they got all these biblical answers for you, and they start labeling you stuff. <laughs> you know, I understand it. I really do. I mean, but what you have to do is, like I said. Because that's deep baggage that, that's, got, that's got a whole lot of undertow to it. What you got to do is don't let that pull you under. And, get in, and, and just don't define her. Don't okay. call her. That's and a, even if she defines you, even if whatever happens, um, just put it in the river and swim later. Talk to me after church. We'll, we'll continue okay, our conversation. Comma. Somebody else. Yes. Okay. What I wanted to say is I had a micro preemie child, and their marriage went belly up. But one day, because the child could not visually see 
but was anointed with spiritual revelation, and I know the child was depressed at age five, the Spirit of God gave me wisdom to go to her and to confess my faults as a mother, not being perfect, but I loved her. Two, her father loved her. He was not perfect, but he loved her. Okay, but the bring, Holy Spirit bring, had bring, bring it back to me for a second. Ask me a question. What's your question you want to ask me? Because I'll deal with her. Okay. What's your question? No, I was, I was just trying to give her some leeway okay. as a child, and I was dealing with the child mm -hmm. and having to say to the child, Acknowledge the parent being imperfect, but the but right. that the child the parent loves you, but parents are imperfect, adults are imperfect. And at the end, the spirit said, "Say to the child, but guess what? As I say to you, yeah. you are not perfect." Yeah, yeah. Well, she, I'll deal with her. Here's the deal: I agree that that the essence of it is love each other, look past your parents, and love yourself. Well said. That I get. Let me deal with questions. Come on. Anybody else have a question for me? Let me deal with number. Where are we at? Number what? Two? Number two. Number two. How do you do? What do you do if you betrayed in relationship? That's been clear. You cleared. You made your point. You made yours. Number three. How do you repair a relationship with your parents? We talked about that. Now, here, number four. What can you do if you're damaged, if you damaged the relationship? What do you do if you're the one who's guilty? I went to prison one time, and this guy was, um, it was really powerful. He stood up, and he said, he's really, I mean, just haircut was sharp, looked sharp, incredibly good-looking guy. He said, Pastor, tell us what to do when we are the ones who damaged our family. And how do we go back to our families knowing that we did what we did? Let me give you a simple answer, and I want you to just repeat this with me and say, say, be honest. If you did the damage, the boldest and the most courageous thing you can ever do is say, I did it. I did it. I'm the one who did it. I did it. Come on, say it with me. Come on, say, I did it. The Bible said, confess your faults one to another that you may be healed. There's something about being honest with people and saying, I messed up. What's my part? What's your part? What have we done? What have, um, what have I caused to happen to people? Um, and if you're honest, sometimes in your own brokenness, you break people. In your own brokenness, you miscommunicate to people. And your own brokenness, sometimes you, you give off an air that you didn't mean to give off. And uh, as a parent, I look back and see I did that as a child. And I think that's the point you're making, that sometimes as a parent, you do it wrong. And sometimes as a child dealing with a parent, you do it wrong. Sometimes as a pastor, you do it wrong. Um, the question is, how in the world do I engage you when I did it wrong? And I think the first thing you to do is say, I did it. I, it was my fault. Um, I was at a certain stage in my life where I couldn't see certain things certain ways. And that's okay. I think it's really courageous to admit, and I do it all the time. I'm, I'm really big on repentance. As a matter of fact, that was part of what I wanted to teach on last month was this whole idea of, of acknowledging that I was wrong and how powerful it is to say, I need to start again. That's what repentance means. It means to think again, which really, really the sermon is called, the series is called I Changed My Mind. Um, I'm going to share one of those sermons with you later on in the year here, where I, probably in December I may share it with you. But this whole idea that there comes a moment when you, you, you change your view, but sometimes by the time I change my mind, I've damaged people. I mean, if you look back in your life, have you ever had anybody come to you and say they were sorry that they did something to you and it really meant a lot to you. Raise your hand. That happened to you? Yeah. 
And sometimes the person, what did they say, if you can put it in the simple words, what did they say caused them to do it to you, to damage you? What was their, what was their reason for damaging you? What did they say? What caused it? I damaged you because one person didn't get a reason. Somebody else, they got a reason. Somebody else said, yes, anger, yes. I didn't think you needed that money back because you look rich, girl. You're like, you got a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> okay, somebody else, somebody else. Pride, pride, they told you pride. They just said pride. What? Immaturity. Immaturity, they told you what else? Why did they damage you? They said they did it. Why? Why did they do it? Anybody else? Arrogance. Yeah. See, sometimes a person can find a way, but sometimes people don't, don't know themselves. You might say, well, they didn't apologize. Sometimes they don't know why they did it. They, they really don't know. I mean, they, there's no, they, they don't have a system in place. They don't go to church. They're not in the Bible. If they go to church, they don't get the right kind of teaching. They haven't grown. And it, have you ever done something and it took you a long time to see it? Can you think of some? How long did it take? Don't name what it was. Please don't tell me, okay? What, name something that took you a long time to see it. Can you think of something? Raise your hand. Can you think of something you took you a year to see? Two years, three years, four years, five years? Anybody else? Took you ten years to see an attitude, and you wake up one day, and you go, I shouldn't have said that, or I shouldn't have taken that, or I shouldn't have had that attitude. It's not until you are a teacher and you're teaching students that you realize that your teachers in school weren't that bad. And so sometimes people damage you because they are damaged and because they don't know what to do. And that's why the best thing to do when you see it is to be honest if you did it and say, this is my fault, I made this mistake, and I am sorry, and there's nothing else that I can say. Now, we talked about relationships for about 30 minutes, and so I want to close this and ask, ask I'm going to give you about two or three more minutes uh, to ask me any questions, maybe five minutes, things I didn't ask on the paper, things that you want to ask me. Now, here's this what's important. It's got to be a question, okay? So ask me a question about relationships. Anybody that hasn't asked me a question yet that maybe has a question about relationships. If you hadn't asked me a question yet, yes, right here. Anybody else have a question? Okay, got one here. Okay, and then anybody else? There's two. That's it? Okay, God bless you. Yes. Mine is a work relationship. Okay. I'm a nurse in a doctor's office. Mm -hmm. and the physician that I work with is verbally abusive. I have to listen to him talk to me. Like that? Okay. My husband doesn't talk to me. Yeah. You know, you know, you really have to kind of decide whether it's healthy for you to be there. And if it's not healthy, you have to find something else. You know, you live before you were there, and you can live afterward. Um, sometimes that's a sign that this guy has his own dynamics working, his own issues. Um, doctors have a lot of things going on in their lives. Uh, on, the, on, the, on the other side, doesn't justify what they do, doesn't justify any bad behavior. But uh, if it's not good for you, you know, pray for another opportunity, pursue it with, with an aggressive attitude. I need to really find another place. Uh, if you can, I don't know if talking to them would help. I don't know if, there's, if that's a possibility. You know, um, if it's not, then just go ahead and, and be courageous and leave. Uh, you got to be healthy. Uh, that's all I can tell you. Somebody else. Yes. Hello, Saints. How you doing? I don't think okay. I really need No, this, we need a mic, so okay. I got to okay. hear you. I want to hear you. Hello, Saints. How's everyone they, they doing? Go ahead. Uh, how do you break the silence? Um, how do you communicate? Become a better communicator when you were taught that. You were taught to hold things and handle it yourself. Hmm. Thank you. 
good question. Um, men have a real, generally speaking, a real challenge with communication. And I, I have said this recently. I see why men get quiet. That's been something I've been <laughs> saying in my head. Because some conversations you don't feel, men don't play games they lose. I'm just, this because I know that it's, women can have the same challenge, but let me just, since you're a guy asking the question, let me speak at it from that perspective. If, if, if you're playing, if you're in a conversation and you figure out before the conversation gets going that you're going to lose, you retreat. That's, that's fight or flight. That's a biological issue. So I have to understand that when I deal with people, I have to understand what I'm doing. For example, I may tease people about, like, in church, but I normally wouldn't highlight you. Because if I were to come to, to Mary and say, come up here, I want you to finish this off, Mary would say, please stop. See, see, fight. That's flight right there. That's flight. That's flight. <laughs> like, <laughs> go over there, Pastor Rick. Don't mess with me. But that's that, because she says, now, it's your job. If you fall on this floor and can't breathe, that's my job. Okay? So as long as you're breathing, do your job, and I'll do mine. Don't you like that? Didn't I do that well? Right? That was great, right? Right? Okay. So that's, that's, that's um, a biological issue. So when people are dealing with you, you have to help them. They have to understand sometimes biologically what's kicking in. So let's say we have arguments. When I see you coming without you doing anything, my brain says, danger, run. And the same thing can happen on her side. Or your children's side, or your, or your, or in your case, you know, just talking about where you work, you start crying. You know, that's a biological reaction, and your body is reacting to pressure. And that's not you. That's not the devil. That's what this environment created for you. So what you have to do is change the environment. So a lot of times, it's not just your issue of communication. It's creating an environment where communication works. I've seen couples I get, I meet with them, right, and they have great communication as long as I'm in the room. You know why? Because I'm the mediator. They both feel safe. They both can say what they feel without being challenged. And, but when they're talking to each other alone, they don't do well. Well, get it out. Come on, say what you're going to say. Okay, I'm coming. I'm, I'm getting it out. You know, and, 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 and so you, you tend to, the child is trying to talk. You know, t- today, Milani was trying to tell me something, and she, I want um, to go downstairs. Uh, I said, okay, let's go. let's go. She's trying to get it out. I want to go downstairs. Refrigerator, food. <laughs> so you know it's it's. So if you if you're frustrated with the stop, girl, what do you want, girl? If you do that, then her little brain, when she comes to you, she gets nervous. And so what you have to do is help each other, and you have to work at that. So communication, is, and that's why in this church, believe it or not, this whole thing I'm doing today, this is healthy stuff. This is healthy stuff. This is healthy because what it's doing is number one, it's making me human to you, right? You can touch the brother, right? Come on, touch the brother. Bam, there you go, man. There you go. Bow. See, it's, it's real. It's what Jesus did. And I think it's too much of this, and you're so far away, and, and um, I, I just think it's healthy for me. So my communication with you is better. And I feel as a church, people email me some of the greatest questions you want to see. Oh, my goodness. Phenomenal. But, I, but you create that. So what you want to do is say, whoever you're having trouble communicating with, so let's renegotiate our, our style. Here are the things that really don't work for me. Tone, yelling, screaming, calling me names. Or, and here's what, and, and when you're struggling to get it out, 
Say, I, I'm just having a hard time getting it out, babe. I don't know why or, or if it's somebody, your friend. And, and they have to say, okay, okay, let me, let me, let me just, let's try. Diane did this just the other day. We have a little, little code. We'll say, she'll say, I'm off. Temple, don't know why we can't talk about what we're talking about right now. And so um, she said, give me a day. So I gave, she went and watched the movies and slept and felt better the next day. And we talked about it. And it that's okay. That's what we do because we realize that day we can't do it for whatever reason. Sometimes it's fatigue, it's fear, it's insecurity, it's, it's pride. It could be all kinds of things kicking in. And so, but you ha- here's the deal. Either you renegotiate it or you don't talk and have strife. You either renegotiate it and say, look, this is the best way to do it. So that's my approach. Hope that helps. Thank you. Uh, where are we at? Uh, we had one here and, okay, her and then, yes, you got, who has the mic? Give it to her first and then you're, you're next, okay? And my time is almost done. I got five minutes. Yes. All right. So, um, my so friends are relationships too, right? Yes. All right. So I sit with my friend, um, my friends at school at lunch, and they talk about other people. And like the next minute, they're all like, "Hi!" Like they're all so nice to the person that they're talking about. And like, I, it's. It's it's just uncomfortable. It's like, what should I do? You know what you do? Um, I, I have a rule about talking about people. And I try to say, look, I'm, can, we not, can we talk about something else? I'll just say, hey, hey, this is uncomfortable. I'll tell them, it's uncomfortable for me. Can we not have soap opera day? You know, I just politely say it. If they're good friends, they'll say, okay, okay. He can't take it. She can't do whatever. Just talk about it later. But um, I'm uncomfortable when people say certain things. Next week when I talk about politics, you'll see what I mean. There's certain things I'm uncomfortable with. I don't like to be said about in certain ways, leaders or whoever. So um, just say what you can say. If they're the kind of friends who don't get it, pick new ones. I mean, just just say, I can't sit with you today. If you're going to be soap opera day, what's it going to be? And don't, don't judge them. Just say, I'm not uncomfortable. I just think we shouldn't do that. You know, I, what if we were you and they were all, we were all talking about you? You know what I mean? So when you leave the table, we all talk about you. Then when you come back, we all, you know what I mean? Maybe when I leave, you all talk about me, you know? <laughs> so I think you should, you should um, but if they're the kind of friends that can't get that, slide away. Just slide away slowly. Hey, you're not with us as much. Yeah, I mean, my people are call your people, you know? <laughs> because it really is not, it's a bad habit. It really is. And, and, and what's interesting is I've, I had a situation when I was in, in high school where I got caught up in a conversation that I didn't start, but I was around it. And when it went down, they claimed I was in the conversation. And I was in the principal's office explaining, whoa, no, wait a minute. How did I get, how did I get in here? I didn't stow. That's, that's their opinion. I just was surrounded. And, and you know what I mean? So I, that was the moment. I never will forget that. I said, you know what? The next time they're saying stuff, I won't be in the middle of it. Check you later, gentlemen. I got dragged in. It was amazing. Ricky, is this your opinion? Uh, uh, <laughs> did you say this? You know what I mean? So, you know, just think about that. Somebody else. Yes. Saying was kind of on the lines of what I was actually going to ask, too. But um, I guess to kind of add to it, uh, my example would be dealing with coworkers. I know you can just remove yourself from the situation, but um, with where I was coming from with it, you know, that some of these dudes are married, right? Um, I just got back from deployment, so when we'd be out there eating, every time, I swear it was like two of them in particular, every time 
a, a woman, will, woman will walk by. I mean, it, it'd be wrong if you're a single man too, but these are two married guys. And they're saying, they're saying things. Always got something to say. And I'm thinking on the inside, like, like where's y'all control at, man? But I, I feel guilty if I don't say something sometimes. I know sometimes it's just best to let the spirit move you to either speak or know when to keep your mouth shut. I was wondering how you feel about it. Do you, do you have to be the guy that says something every little time somebody does something? Because then it feels like you're nitpicking. I don't. I don't. I, I don't always say something. I remember one time I was on a job, and the guys were talking about how bad. They had this, it's called Basher Woman Day. That's what I call it. And they were all saying, man, I got to get rid of this, 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 this nag. I got to get rid of it. Mine too, man. My old ladies. I'm dumping her too. And it was, it was like everybody was piling in on this, you know, we're going to get rid of our woman day. And so <laughs> I said, well, I'm happy, you know. And, and, you know, they said, who cares? <laughs> who cares? Nobody wants to hear your happiness. You know, we're talking about getting rid of these women. This is get rid of your woman day. That's what this is. So what you do is you just don't own it. You know what I'm saying? You just don't own it. You just don't own it. You just don't get caught up in trying to fix people. See, I don't, here's one thing that I'm, I'm done for the day when I say this. I don't feel like I owe, I have to fix everybody. The Bible says in John, the Holy Spirit convicts of sin, not Ricky Temple. I'm, my job is not to make you feel bad. My, I, I do speak up because here's what I want people to understand. Okay, I'm not, I'm not joining this. Guys, can you give me a break? Every time we're together, why you always got to say that? Can you, can you lighten up? Wait till I leave, then lust. Can you just hold a lust for about 30 more minutes? I'll be gone 10 minutes. Because sometimes you can't leave where you are, especially in the military. You're someplace deployed. You're together. You're working in tight spots, and you got to be together. You can't always choose who your partner is, who you work with. You can't always choose the environment. You have to manage the environment. But what I believe you do is you, you, you take your life, and you take ownership of your life, and you say to yourself, my job is to be a light in darkness. Catch this. I'm a light where? In darkness. I'm a light in that office where? In darkness. And sometimes it's the darkness hurts you. Sometimes you have to toughen up in the darkness. Hey, if you grew up in a family where they cuss you, you get used to that. You know, okay, good cussing won't hurt you. Because you're used to it. <laughs> you've been cussed out all your life. You know what I'm saying? Some of you wouldn't, that wouldn't, some of you say, oh, don't bother me, none. My mama cussed me worse than that. <laughs> <laughs> my, dad, my daddy used to cuss me all the time. You know? I, matter of fact, somebody told me that one time in the session. Somebody, somebody told me. This is, this is true. Somebody came to me. It was a person who was struggling with, I'll say what they were. They were in a gay lifestyle, and they were, and they were going through this, you know. Um, and they came to me and said, Pastor Rick, I want to ask you your opinion about, you know, gay lifestyle. And, 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 and uh, this this person came in, their partner, and, and we talked, had a great talk. It was wonderful talk, about an hour and a half, two hours, a long time. And I've known him forever. And, and, uh, and, um, and then she, she said this. It was so powerful. She said, okay, let me tell you before you start. You can't say anything worse than my mother has said to me. So I want you to really tell me what you think the Bible says and what you think. But be cl- just be clear, nothing you can ever say. And she gave me this list of things her mother said about her. I thought, wow, that must hurt. Man. She said, just, just show me the verses and we'll think about it and pray about it, whatever. But I just thank you for caring about us. 
Even if you disagree, I understand, but you know, you at least act like you care about us. But you'll never, when she said that to me, that thing went through me. You could never say anything. And if I, I can't even repeat what she said publicly. It was, it was so bad. Excuse me. It was so bad. That's a sign that's God said in this. Uh, <laughs> did you enjoy today? Did you? Thank you. Father, I thank you for the time of conversation today. Look forward to politics next week. What in the world is going on? And what does the Bible say about it? All this stuff that's going on now. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us as we prepare in these next few weeks. First of all, I pray for healing in the relationship. Lift your hand high. Lift, I pray for healing in these relationships. I pray for restoration in these relationships. I ask you in Jesus' name to bring deliverance and strength. I pray, God, that your hand would give strength and power in Jesus' name to those who have come today. May you give them the power, I pray, to see beyond, beyond bad relationships and the challenges they faced. I declare in your name healing and blessing. And I pray that they would leave this place and say, that was a good discussion. Learn something. Something somebody asked spoke to my life. And I pray that we as a church would be a healthy church. A church is not afraid to talk. And that I as a pastor would not be afraid to listen. And that we would all grow together. I also pray while our hands are lifted for our finances. I pray for our future. I pray for our jobs. I pray for our careers. Prosper your people. I pray that their needs would be met and their lives would be changed. I also pray while our hands are lifted. Is there anybody here that doesn't know your Savior never gave their life to Jesus? That this would be the day they say, Jesus. Be the Lord of my life.